Welcome to Radioactive Magazine. We will be talking with John J.R. Bruce and George Pettigrew about the work, their work to create a new museum in Fort Leavenworth dedicated to the Western westward expansion of the United States. Bruce is the president and Pettigrew uh, executive vice president of the Alexander Madison chapter of Kansas City Buffalo Soldiers um, locally and the 9th and 10th Horse Cavalry Associations. Who were the Buffalo, Buffalo Soldiers? They was all, they was all Afro-American from Negro back in the day that came through from slave to soldiers through the Civil War, mm -hmm. which after the 19, after 1865 Civil War, they had uh, troops left, black soldiers left over from Civil War. And in 1966, the Congress passed the act. To 1866. Put, 1866 to put six regiments together. Mm -hmm. Four infantry and two cavalry, the 9th and 10th. 10th Cavalry, which is their home at Fort Leavenworth, 9th Cavalry, Greenville, Louisiana. They rode the Western Frontier for over 90 years until for over 30 years, continued several until the Indian Wars ended in 1890. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, JR, you um, and so who are the Kansas City Buffalo Soldiers? Now, that's our organization. You, you got so many different chapters. Uh, we're the Kansas. We're based out of Kansas City, actually, Kansas and Missouri, because 10th Cavalry, like I said earlier, are from Leavenworth. So we got over 41 chapters all over the United States. This actually will be the first one, and so uh, that started in 18, in 1966, and actually got their first charter in 1992. Okay, so um, so are there? Is there? There's only one chapter in, in Kansas City? Yes. And There's now, not. if you want to count the, uh, now they got chapters locally, the motorcycle chapters. They call themselves Buffalo Soda, but they're the motorcycle chapter. And they got two locally. They got one level and one Kansas City, Missouri. But we are the horse. Okay. Yeah. And the rocks. And then the rocks are level or two. Okay. Great. So, JR, you hold the title of Trooper. What's a trooper? Trooper, okay, it, it, you know, back in the day, you know, you had to, you had this, uh, this, uh, this, you know, the trooper were cavalry, and infantry were just, uh, they were just infantry. So they defined the two troopers as a troop. They ride horses. What's cavalry? That's that's mounted, ride horses. Only one of the six. Um, Colored regiments uh, uh, um, authorized by the U.S. Army Reorganization Act of 1866 was stationed at Fort Leavenworth. Is that correct? You're right. That is true. Yeah. They were the only ones, and not only stationed there, they were formed there. Meaning yeah. that is like anybody else's hometown. This mm -hmm. is where their birth began at Fort Leavenworth. No other. Um, branch of the reorganization. No other component of the reorganization was organized at Fort Leavenworth except the 10th, which is the most famous of all units of Buffalo soldiers. Mm -hmm. So tell us more about so tell us more about the 10th and why why are they the most famous? I'll, I'll start with this. It was the 10th that first were given the nickname and clear that it's a nickname, Buffalo Soldiers. 
which began with translation more closely to wild buffalo. But it was the Plains Indians in Kansas that gave these black troopers their name. They were riding on their way to Port Larned in western Kansas and had two engagements with Native Americans along the way. Uh -huh. These were the first two engagements that the Black Cavalry ever faced in the history of the United States. So um, by the time they arrived at Fort Larned, they had two engagements under their belt. I assume that they ranged beyond beyond Kansas, right? Um, well, they went to uh, one, the reorganization. Once they left the Cavalry left Leavenworth, they moved west out to Fort, Fort Riley. Yes. And the 10th Cavalry, 9th Cavalry came out of Louisiana. They went to Texas. Okay. And from there, they spread completely into Mexico, out to the Rocky Mountains, and north to Canada. Mm -hmm. So these guys were stationed from the Canadian tier states all the way down into Mexico. So mm -hmm. um, millions of square miles that they had they to protect, cover mm -hmm. under their responsibility. Then uh, the uh, the desert southwest, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, that would have been the ninth cavalry. Both. Both. They Both flipped them. out. Both of them. Right. Okay. When they uh, reorganized, I think mm -hmm. four years later, if I got my history right, the 10th cavalry went to Fort Huachuca. Okay. All 12, red, all 12 companies was there, troops were there at one time. That's the okay. first time they have since the reorganization. All I think at that same time, they had representatives of the 9th Cavalry, 10th Cavalry, 24th and 25th right. Infantry at Fort Huachuca at one time. That is the only time in history. They all been together. That yeah. all four of the Fort black veterans. where? Arizona. All right, okay. Southern Arizona. Okay, great. And the there were, you. so there were the... Army Reorganization Act of 1866 authorized four infantry regiments, but they were later combined into two, is, uh, right? Correct. And so right. you just you, you mentioned four earlier, and then you mentioned yeah. two just a minute ago. So well, there like, was when they beginning, it was a 38, 39, 40, 41st when they first yeah right. Then they combined them in 1869 to the 24th, 25th. Talk about the new museum that you are working to develop. It's uh, quite unique. It's special in many ways. This, to my knowledge, is the first time in the United States Army history, again, repeating the first time that Blacks were admitted into the regular Army during what was called peacetime, even though the Indian Wars were going on and immediately after the Civil War. But the United States Army and the 9th and 10th Horse Cavalry Association are in a public-private partnership to create and install a new museum. And this museum will be at Fort Leavenworth. Mm -hmm. Once it is built and complete, it will be turned over to the Center of Military History for the United States Army, and mm -hmm. it becomes more or less a gift to America, to Fort mm -hmm. Leavenworth, to Kansas, to the world. We are talking with George Pettigrew and uh, John J.R. Bruce um, about the Buffalo Soldiers and um, the, their work to create a new museum at Fort Leavenworth dedicated to the westward expansion of America and the 
history associated with uh, that board from but really uh you've said this um from the Lewis and Clark expedition in 1804 through the through the Indian Wars and until the Spanish American War is that um have, have I got that exactly. right <clears throat> yes sir you do it was the Department of Missouri was the division of the United States Army that had control over Fort Leavenworth. Mm -hmm. And from Fort Leavenworth and through Fort Leavenworth was the center point for all communications, manpower, um, reporting from the fields, and all went through Fort Leavenworth. In other words, they were control center or command center, more appropriately, for all that happened with the Army's part of uh, protecting the trails west, mm -hmm. settlers, wagon trains, commerce, mm -hmm. um, supplying different forts along the frontier and throughout the frontier. So it's little known exactly how important and how much Fort Leavenworth means to what defines America around the world. And that is the good old cowboy days and the days of the West you know, people have that impression of America as as our roots, so to speak. Mm -hmm. This is who we are. Our identity is tied up in the West. And Fort Leavenworth was central to all that developed in the West. Fort Leavenworth was founded when? Uh, Fort Leavenworth founded in September 1827. Lewis and Clark, that was like 1804 or something? Yes, sir. They came through this area. Um, Lewis and Clark came up the Missouri River and actually stopped on what is now the grounds of uh, Fort Leavenworth. Mm -hmm. And they were overlooking the Missouri River, thinking that it was a wonderful place to have a uh, fort. When the 10th Cavalry, Cavalry was created, the commander at Fort Leavenworth <laughs> didn't like African-Americans. Arthur, <laughs> no, he, he, he didn't like them. He, uh, he built weapons, from what I understand, down to the, about close to the river, the swamp area. And anytime they had any kind of drill ceremony, he would make them walk at least 15 feet behind the uh, white soldiers or stand at parade rest as they went by. I mean, Gerson had a problem with Arthur at, at the port. And, and so um, even in the area where they were pitched their tents uh, and became their community, it was in a swamp and request to put boards down to walk on or boards to uh, for access into the tents. Everything was denied. You're going to live in the mud. You're going to sleep in the mud. You're going to walk in the mud. Um, and of course, with the mud and the water came mosquitoes and disease. Right. So they were forced to stay in that area. And this was a large rub. Right with uh, the 10th Cavalry commanding officer, which Grierson. was Grierson. Colonel Grierson. He did not like that treatment. And Hoffman was satisfied with it. I can't say for sure, but it endured under him until they left. And and how long did they stay there? When did they? Uh, they got there and they, they left in August, September, uh, yeah. 67, 1867. So between 1866, Less than a year. Less than a year. Less than a year. Then they moved right. to Fort Riley. Well, right. the thing of it is, is that they were there to um, form the regiment. Right. Yes. And while they were in the process of formation, 
you have recruits coming in from wherever. Mm -hmm. All the recruits were not local. Some came from many other states, other yeah. parts of the country. So they were going there to assemble. Yeah, yeah. If you want to be you do you want to be infantry or do you want to be cavalry? Oh, I wanna I wanna be horseback. I don't want to crawl. Well, that, there was a price to play there, though. Spencer. That's right. See, in the in the infantry, if you weren't looking at a career in the infantry, you signed up for three years. If you yeah. want to ride that horse, and if you're good enough to get a spot riding that horse, you have to sign up for a minimum of five years. Yeah. It took him a while to get his recruits. Because every recruit he had, they had uh, like fever. They had the fever. Yeah, yeah. You didn't meet his expectation. He wouldn't. He wouldn't uh, uh, put you to Calvary. He had a heck of a time getting recruits. He also wanted as much as possible. He wanted people that could read and write. Yeah, he felt that that they could be uh, better prepared. And besides that, that the need for clerks was uh, considerable clerks, supply, yeah. all of these plants needed people that were literate. And most of the uh, entrants were not capable. Mm -hmm. So Grierson sent his people, his recruiters, out to the East Coast because he felt that he might find more of what he was looking for. On the other hand, uh, Hatch, which is a 9th Cavalry com uh, commander, it took him quick to get his people together. He didn't. He didn't have the qualifications that Grierson wanted. He put all twelve of his regiments right there in, in uh, New Orleans, but Grierson only put eight eight troops in Fort and uh, Fort Leavenworth. Then he moved the remaining to Fort Riley. How many total total well, uh, troops? Uh, now. Well, how many total humans, uh, soldiers, Buffalo hey, soldiers? Yeah, a company, uh, excuse me, a regiment is about a thousand. What are you doing to raise money for this new new museum? We have actually several avenues for that. Um, the Ninth and Tenth Horse Cavalry Association is a national association with the forty-one chapters that Jr. mentioned. Um, Every chapter is doing what they can to raise that. Now, specifically mm -hmm. and particularly here in Kansas City, we are extremely active under our president, J.R. Bruce, and our committee chair, Fred Jones. We have um, had an annual, our first annual golf tournament last year. Mm -hmm. We had a, a Texas Hold'em poker, poker tournament. And then the golf tournament is coming up again in 2024. June, June, June 2024. We have our golf tournament, uh, our second annual golf tournament. Why are you named Ad, uh, um, Alexander and Madison? Okay, a few years ago, uh, the two co-founders, James Alexander, James Madison, uh, they World War II, they didn't want to co-found this chapter. So we thought it was fitting in 2000. 14, 15, that we submitted a, a letter to the national and asked them would they change. Back to your question about what we do um, to raise funds for this museum. We are, we're really proud of the Buffalo soldier history. And we do everything we can to keep that legacy alive and to bring attention to it. 
So among other things that we are doing, one is that we have seven members of our chapter that are now certified oral storytellers and six that are certified oral and written storytellers. Mm -hmm. And we right. use that skill, um, for example, J.R. Bruce and two other members of the chapter are um, on the Missouri Speakers Bureau, have okay. been going on seven years. And uh, I'm formerly with them, but I, I was elected to the board of uh, directors for the Missouri Humanities. So we, we take out, take out, or we take the story that under the title of Slave to Soldier, mm -hmm. and we talk about um, what led up to the Buffalo Soldiers, the creation of the Buffalo Soldiers, the name, the origin, mm -hmm. and the accomplishments. And the accomplishments are, are just as amazing as anything else because first point is it's critical. <laughs> that the Buffalo Soldiers were the first Black troops to ever be enlisted in the United States Army during peacetime as regular soldiers. We have been in every war America has been in. We've been there always, but we were always volunteers. Yeah. And we were always sent away as soon as the need was over. Mm -hmm. Well, this time the need remained. And it gave, at a very difficult time, it gave a, a purpose, a mission, a home, uh, income, respect, respect, and uh, all of this was provided by the United States Army when, frankly, at that moment, society wasn't as ready yeah. as the military was to even have that experiment. Yeah. And like we talked about Colonel Hoffman or General Hoffman at Fort Leavenworth not being happy with black soldiers forming at his command, um, you had those that did not care to have them. Another one that you would recognize is General George Custer. He did not want to serve with black troops at all, even with the offer of an increase in rank. He says, no. Um, Spence, I, ha I have to tell you, I am the great grandson of a uh, private from the 38th Infantry that moved to the 24th and eventually the 9th Cavalry. And if the 9th had been commanded by George Custer, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Right. So sometimes, you know, his attitude toward Black people might cut both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Case, I'm happy with it. Indeed, so. <laughs> have his little big arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Wouldn't have been a good day. No, wouldn't have been a good day. You know, it, was, it certainly wasn't. So we um, have, excuse, uh, we have about forty members. I think half of them are descendants of Buffalo Soldiers. Center of Military History for the United States Army, which is our partner in this project. These folks are very high, as are we, on inclusion. And not to tell the Western expansion story the same way you see it in the black and white movies of the 40s, 50s, and 60s. We know that story. We know that's not a complete story. And we have the opportunity to tell everyone how important their part was in making America great, as it is. Because we over doubled the size of America, the Louisiana Purchase, and then we populated 
We put the railroad through to make it viable. Telegraph. And believe it or not, Buffalo soldiers worked on every bit of this. They did engineering, 3,000 miles of telegram poles and wires, mapping. Uh, Water holes. Yeah. Fort, built forts. Yes, built forts, roads. These guys, that's a lot of what infantry did. Built a lot of forts just about everywhere they were, they built. And uh, so we want to have the narrative include some amazing people, women that had every much uh, or every bit as much of input, input horror, terror, and sacrifice that it took to, took to move west. It was a long time before stagecoaches were making it easy, okay? It right. was a long time. And before that, you still had people, even children, that would walk from what we call civilization to Oregon, California, and Santa Fe, and beyond. So their stories are part of this. And these are the ones that have been silent in history. We're not going to do that anymore. There was, I was reading recently about an African-American woman who passed as a man and served in, served in the U.S. military. Uh, according to the army, that's that's hush hush. <laughs> it didn't happen. Yeah, they don't want to. You know, think of it is they know that, that they enlisted this five foot nine, one hundred twenty six year old. I guess rather hmm, one hundred twenty six pounds, right? Yeah, and I mean, when a normal man was five seven in the eighteen sixties, she's five nine. Okay. And I guess she had facial characteristics without hair, of course, but she had facial characteristics that were not very delicate, I might say. And therefore, she passed as a man for 22 months, marching 10 to 12 miles a day, carrying 100, uh, carrying a 75 pounds of equipment on a 126 pound body, mm -hmm. day after day after day. So um, she was discovered, but going back to the economics of the time in 1866, when she joined in St. Louis at Jefferson Barracks, it was, it was an opportunity. She had to take the gamble because there weren't jobs for white folks after the Civil War had wrecked the economy, infrastructure, homes, uh, business, everything. You know, it was a hard, hard time for everyone. So if there were jobs to be had, they were not going to black women first. And she knew this. Plus, she had traveled with uh, the Union Army through many of the battles that we know about, all the way down right. through Georgia, right. up the East Coast, and back out to Missouri and Iowa. So this woman was tough. And she yeah. had seen battle. So yeah. she knew probably more than many of the men that she was marching with every day. Mm -hmm. But it became too much for her. And uh, her name was Kathy Williams. Mm -hmm. That's her military name. Uh, William Kathy. Well, William Kathy is her the military name. William Kathy, Kathy Williams is her birth name. She is the one woman that you say can be documented mm -hmm. as being a woman in uniform in service, active duty. Yeah, right. And they surprisingly said there was no physical exam. Yeah, that's right, how right. she got in in right. the first place. How tall are you? How much do you weigh? Yeah, right, right. Here's the uniform. Go over yeah. there and practice. <laughs> you yep, yep, yep. 
Talk about General Blackjack Pershing. Ah, we went to his home uh, twice now. Right. And, um, Cleet. yeah, Laclede, Missouri. Yeah, Laclede, Missouri. And he was, he, was a, he was an unusual young man. He was a school teacher in his teens. And um, nothing about him would have made you expect that he would turn out to be as great as he was as a general. But uh, Blackjack Pershing, some history cuts both ways when it comes to him. There are some good things and there are some things that are reported that may not be as good. Right? But his granddaughter addressed the 100th celebration at um, World War I Museum. And as she spoke, she said one thing very clearly. My grandfather loved his Buffalo soldiers. And he did. Now, what happened in World War One? They took the Buffalo Soldiers out of um, out of the theater to fight for the United States, and they put them on loan to France. Well, France was glad to have them, and once they saw how these guys produced as soldiers, they were the most decorated in World War One. A lot of it was French. It wasn't U.S. medals that they were getting. Well, that's that's fine. I mean, the president of the United States was an open about racist, right? <laughs> yeah, he had issues. <laughs> yeah, he had issues. Okay, well, uh, I think we're uh, basically out of time. Uh, any final words for our audience? Yes. Um, we are very happy that we have the opportunity to bring this new museum to our area to middle America, to the heart of America. And this opportunity speaks well for the Buffalo Soldiers because they were doubted all along. They never thought they would turn out to be who they were, but surprisingly, Buffalo Soldiers lasted only 85 years from beginning to end, and still they're world famous. So we are the kind that we know our motto is, we can, we will. That's the 10th count. We can, we will. And what's important about and the Buffalo Soldiers? You have and you did, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And we'll do it again. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so this is why we're happy for it. But we want everyone to support us. Please uh, look us up. If you would like to have us come and make a presentation, contact us. One, one note for you. They were, they were your first original park rangers. Oh, yeah. OK. They won. They won. They the one that wore the smoky bear hat. Okay, right. Created. They created it in Cuba. Right. Okay. We have been visiting with John J. R. Bruce and George Pettigrew about the Buffalo Soldiers and their work to create a new museum in Fort Leavenworth dedicated to American Western history and the Buffalo Soldiers. Bruce is the president and Pettigrew executive vice president of the Alexander Madison chapter of Kansas City Buffalo Soldiers. Their website is buffalosoldierskc.org. A link to that website is included in the description of this episode of Radioactive Magazine. Go to kkfi.org, click News and Public Affairs, then Radioactive Magazine, and then find this episode titled New Frontier Museum of the American, uh, of the United States Army um, Museum for Fort Leavenworth. I'm Spencer Graves, thanks for listening.